If you would, go ahead and stand. If you're not standing already and uh, take your hymn book, let's turn to page number 11. Page number 11, and we'll begin with our final session this morning. Come Thou Fount, page 11. Let's sing it out. Come Thou Fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed His precious blood Oh, to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I am Barabbas, a rebel prisoner. Death was a sentence for me. Led before Pilate, I stood there beside him. This man, some were calling a king. And as the crowd shouted, Crucify him, the soldiers let me go free. What kind of man, guilty of nothing, would suffer the shame and disgrace? Hang on a cross, despised and rejected, and willing to die in my place at Calvary. For someone like me, someone like me. My name is Thomas, for three years I followed. I saw every wonder and sign. They say he is risen, that his grave is empty, but I just can't believe he's alive. Now standing before me, Jesus shows me the scars in his hands and his side. What kind of man 
embraces a doubter, lovingly drawing me near. I don't have to wonder if I've been accepted, he said all the worry and fear at Calvary for someone like me. I knew him and loved him, but oh, how I failed him that night. I promised Jesus that I'd never leave him. I'd willingly lay down my life. But there at his trial, I stood by the fire. I denied him three times. What kind of man? pours out his mercy on someone who stumbles and falls with no way to earn it no way to deserve it forgiveness still came after all at calvary for someone like me been Barabbas, the guilty set free. And I have been Thomas, the doubter redeemed. And I have been Peter. Yes, I've been all three. What kind of man would bleed for the worthless and save him whatever it takes? What kind of man would rescue a sinner and offer amazing grace at Calvary, at Calvary for someone like me. For someone like me. someone like me what a blessing well our next uh, preacher is brother Don uh, Vizi and boy sure thankful for this family and and uh, I remember when I was pastoring in, in Cassville and God was dealing with me about uh, coming here to Faith Baptist Church, and you know, you always have a maybe a guy in your mind who you know would uh, you know be the next pastor. And and I remember the night that I was driving back from a preacher's meeting, and Brother Bill Marshall had texted me, and he said, uh, Brother Don Beasy uh, just uh, resigned from uh, Tritown Baptist Church there in Colorado, and and I didn't know Brother Beasy then. I didn't know him at all, and I knew that. I mean, it was like the Lord just spoke to me right then and said, that's going to be the next pastor of this church. And I, I'm so thankful the Lord worked it all out, and they are there. I can't, I can't say enough. I just only, all, all I can say is I'm sorry for the mess he had to clean up that I left behind. Amen. But sure appreciate uh, him and Miss Catherine and their dear family. So, Brother Veezy, you come and preach to us, brother. So, Thank you, my friend. Well, it is a blessing to be here, and... Uh, Appreciate very much the invitation by Brother Stewart 
And I sure appreciate what we've heard, not only last night, um, reminded of how we take care of the Lord's body. And boy, that's a need. And I sure appreciate the messages this morning and to be reminded that our job is to please the Father. And uh, sometimes that's not easy. And sometimes you go somewhere, God puts you there, and you wonder why you're there. You just please the Father and let things be done in His time. And Brother Moore, I sure appreciate that message. And uh, I love being in Cassville. And even though the guy had to follow, I mean, there's been a lot of cleaning up to do. But, uh, you know, when we first went there, Brother Ben, uh, I'd just be transparent. It very much felt like a step backwards. Uh, Leaving a church in Colorado that was triple digits and um, God had worked and come into a small community. I'd never lived in a town that small. And uh, go into a little bitty community, uh, about 3,000 people and a small church. But I don't believe the Lord has small churches. The Lord just has churches. And I so appreciate even what Brother Swope said that, you know, people in rural America need the Lord. And, and now I love it. I mean, I love it. And uh, it is a real blessing to be there and God's working and I'm thankful for that. And a lot, some of the growth we've had, it's not been necessarily reaching Cassvilleites. Uh, then people are stuck in their ways. But uh, I would never guess this, but people all over the country are moving to Cassville. Can't explain it. But the Lord's brought us some very solid people that were very active in churches uh, all the way to the West Coast. Uh, people from up north. And if they can know God up north, I'm not sure, but um, it, it's a real blessing. And to be able to have some folks come and help us alongside there, it's a real blessing. When Brother uh, Wes asked me to preach, the Lord has just really been working in my heart about something. There's a couple of the men in the room that I've talked to about this. And as Brother John was preaching this morning, I thought, you know, I love it when you go to a meeting and God just dovetails the messages together. Boy, it's a great confirmation that you, you, you're going the right direction, and I started questioning. And then Brother Ben brought this morning, I thought he was preaching on, he's bringing, preaching on Christmas, and I thought for sure, Brother Watson, lead us in joy to the world or something after that. <laughs> but uh, I, I do believe the Lord has worked, and to just kind of give that confirmation. And I realize I stand in a very difficult place, because I'm between you and barbecue. And so uh, here's what I did then. I decided to just bring lunch myself, knew we'd be here a while. So I brought some lunch here. So if you get real hungry, you can come up and have some soup. But I wanted to ask you to take your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 19. And when you find that, if you would stand in honor of reading the precious word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 19. It'll be a little while before we come back and deal with the text. Want to lay some groundwork. Deuteronomy chapter 19. And really, the message this morning would be this the way we please the Father, and just knowing that we need to be where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do. Here would be the the third part of this we don't have to change to do it. 
We don't have to change. Because I, I know the temptation's there at times. Boy, you have a family show up and, uh, I mean, let's just be honest, maybe they, they have some finances. Preacher, can I talk to you? If you'll change. If you'll lower the standard. Here's what I'll do. But listen, this morning, I want to preach on this. Still Baptist. Still, S-T-I-L-L. Still Baptist. God's way still works. Deuteronomy chapter 19, look at verse 14. Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Would you go to Deuteronomy chapter 27? Chapter 27. It's not just that God said not to move it, but he actually put a curse if we do. He says, verse 17, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. Would you go to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 22. Verse 28. Here's the wisest man talking to his son. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. One last place, just chapter 23, verse number 10. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. Father, I pray for your help these next few moments, Lord, to preach. Lord, that you've burdened my heart with this, the, the, really this whole year. And God, just trying to stir within the brethren, we don't have to change. We don't have to quit being what the Bible calls us to be. And Lord, I know we live in a culture that is trying to do away with labels. And we don't want to identify. We don't want to be clear. We don't want to draw hard lines. We're afraid of offending. And Lord, I don't believe we ought to seek to offend. But Lord, I also believe we ought to just be what you want us to be. And Lord, that what this world needs again is some clearly defined landmarks. So Father, I pray just to be an encouragement this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to ask you this morning a question. Do labels matter? Well, I went into the cabinet yesterday before we left and uh, pulled out some cans. And uh, I like to eat. I like to cook. And here's what I know. The label matters. Here's why the label matters, because it identifies for me what's in the can. 
Brother John uh, Swope, when he and his wife got married, they were on staff down in Beeville, Texas, and his fine youth department to express love to their youth pastor and youth pastor's wife. While they were away on their honeymoon, the church had given them a food pounding and the young people went in, cut all the labels off the cans and put them on other cans, (laughs) glued them back on. So Miss Sarah, as she would come home to fix fine meals for her new husband, would go into the cabinets and pull out a can because she looked at the label. And the label said it was one thing, but she opened the can and it was something else. I mean, that's just wrong. Amen. And uh, surely those teenagers got right with God over that because that'll mess it up. I mean... You might accidentally open up a can of peas or something like that, and who wants to eat that? And, and so you, you don't want to, you, you, labels matter. They're very, very important. And I, I think we could even answer the question this way. To any thinking person, we would understand labels do matter. Uh, if you're going to go buy some clothes, labels matter. Not so much the brand, but the size. It matters. My son, he's just 15 years old, but man, the last couple of years he's shot up and we have the hardest time finding clothes that will fit him. And so I don't have to go look at all the brands. I just go look at the label and I don't even bother if I don't see a certain size. I'm wasting my time. If I can't find the size, how do I know the size? Not by him putting them on, but the label tells me that it should be this size. Labels matter. If there's no label, you don't know what's inside. If there's no label, you don't know what size. If there's no label, you don't know what kind. Labels matter. Society, and you know this, wants to do away with labels. I mean, we've just gone brain dead as a nation that we're afraid to even identify the most basics of of humanity and that there are boys and there are girls. It blows my mind. Gender neutral. There, listen, there is no such thing. There are boys and there are girls. Labels matter. As I begin to think about this thought and trying to encourage uh, even my own generation and men that I went to Bible college with, and it's not just that Bible college, but it's, it's all across our land, this temptation to lower the standard. The temptation to walk away from some labels. And listen, if they're just a label, then maybe they're not worthy to stand upon. But if they're more than just a label, in fact, maybe we might use this word this morning, if they're like a landmark. If these are landmarks that are clearly defined and given to us in the Word of God, then who am I to do away with them? Who am I to ignore them? And so as I watch some of my friends step away from some of these things, I'm burdened by this. And so I began to look at this and study this, and I found some very interesting things. I found an article in Psychology Today. Now, that's not a normal thing I would read, but in Psychology Today, this this headline caught my attention, and here's what it said. How to stop bullying yourself. I had to think. How to stop bullying yourself. And as I read the article, here's what it said. Here here was their solution to this problem we have of bullying ourselves. I'm not making this up. 
They said this, get rid of labels. Because labels make you feel bad. They do. I thought about it. I go buy a new pair of pants. A new shirt. That label offends me every time. It's offensive, this bullying. But they said that there's a solution. Get rid of the labels. Oprah. I'm sorry, I apologize. But here's what she said. She wrote an article, and here's the title of it. How to stop letting other people's labels define you. What, what's she saying? Labels are a problem. We ought not let other people's ideology, other people's thoughts affect the decisions we make. Now, as I thought about this, and psychologists are, are telling self, saying, you know, you, you need to beware of the labels because it'll make you feel bad. And Oprah, because, you know, everybody listens to her, she's trying to tell society that, that, listen, don't let other people's labels define who you are. And I had to start thinking about this and asking myself this question, is this happening not just in Christianity, but is this happening in our circles? Is, this, is there a fear to be identified by certain labels and in, this, in an effort to not be offensive, we've become afraid of who we are? Rapid City, South Dakota, their newspaper. There was an article written about Fountain Springs Community Church. Now, I don't know anything about them other than I looked at them from this article and did a little studying on them. But this church would identify as a Wesleyan denomination. It actually had its roots, according to their own website, in the Methodist tradition. But their pastor, the Reverend Dave Kennan, is here's what he said. He's pretty sure that in, in his rapidly growing congregation that most people don't know that. They don't know their roots. And I quote, here's what he said in the newspaper. There would be some people who don't even know we are a part of a denomination. It's not a secret, but it's not our flagship either. Staying away, now listen to what he says. Staying away from specific church doctrine in favor of a loving, non-judgmental message about Christ. As though doctrine and Christ are separated. And I had to ask myself, what did he just say? And it sounds to me, what he said is, we don't really want to be who we are. We don't, we, we don't want people to know that's what we are, so we, we like hide it. So I did this. I googled the most popular church names in 2022. So I, I brought you a list. Here, here's what they are. No, number, one, number one church name, if you're going to start a church, City Hope. Number two was Cornerstone Church. Number three was Create Church. Not sure what that means. Destiny City Church. Dream City Church. Intersect Church. Elevate Church. Elevate Life Church. LifeBridge Church. The Compass Church. Reality Church. Not sure about that one. And Rise Church. Now, now here's what I started thinking, Brother Stuart. None of those identify. What are they? 
I don't know. What do they believe? I don't know. And by their own testimony, I don't think they do either. But here's what the preacher said from Fountain Springs Community Church in Rapid City. He said, now, now listen, I quote, once we get them inside, we show them what we are. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want somebody turned off, and I quote, by our label. Now, listen, beloved, I don't believe for one second we ought to seek to be offensive. And if that's our spirit, we're wrong. We're wrong. And that would be just as much of a sin as I think what I'm trying to deal with here this morning. But but I want to ask us, are we ashamed of what we are? Are we ashamed of what we are? Because labels do identify. They do. How do I know what I have? I look at the label. Because the label tells me cream and mushroom soup. But sadly, many are opting for this kind of church. What is it? It's a can. It's silver. It's got a date on it. How are we going to know what's in it? Well, you got to open it. Should it be that difficult? Or might it be that what we ought to just stick with is some labels to identify, not to be offensive, but so that people clearly know what it is we are. I found this interesting. Good Egg Marketing. They're they're a huge marketing firm in the United States of America. And so I I began to think about this. And so if, if there's such a push to unlabel, if there's such a push to not identify, I wonder what marketing companies are saying. Because obviously a marketing company's job is to market products. And so I wonder what they would ask of their customers. What suggestions would they make to somebody who would come to Good Egg Marketing and say, I I want you to market our product. So here's what Good Egg Marketing says, and I quote, labels are an easy way for customers to vet the product as they pick it up. Said Cambridge Naturals co-owner Emily Cantor, Good Egg Marketing recommends that their customers, listen to this, put no less than seven identifiers on their product so that the consumer can readily identify the product. So, so, so if we just think for a little bit, marketing research says this. Man, you ought to put it all over the label. You ought to let everybody know what it is that's in the can. And here's what, when they did a research, they asked consumers, so what was it that caused you to purchase that product. And here was the number one answer given by those that responded to the survey. I I bought what I bought because of the label. The label. I want to encourage us this morning to please the Father. To know that God put us where He put us. And just do what God called us to do. 
we don't have to turn to this. We don't have to remove the labels. And I've asked my friends who have begun to remove the labels, and I asked them, and not, not, listen, because I love them. I mean, we have prayed together, we've preached together, we've wept together, we've been burdened together. I said, listen, this decision that you've made to no longer be this, to, but to become this, was that born out of a reading and studying of your Bible? Was that born out of a, a, a real walk with God, or was that born out of this? Well, I, I bought a book. I listened to a podcast. I got another friend. And boy, they're having success. Because they started taking off some labels. And their community loves it. What do they love? Because you don't even know what you got. Now, I know all the favorite words today. Well, we're baptistic. That's like saying, well, I'm kind of married. I'm kind of a parent. No, really, you either are or you're not. You're not really Baptistic. You either are or you're not. And I'll just go ahead and say, I think Baptist is a label. It's a label. I think it's a good label. It's our identity. These labels identify who we are. And again, if I could say it this way... I think there's a better word to use than just label, but some landmarks. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another term we could use this morning. We might even call them distinctives. Yeah, some Baptist distinctives. And, and I know where I'm at this morning. And, and, and I, I wrestle with preaching this, Brother Stuart, because I, I know who's here. And I know we go to preachers' meetings, and, and I go too, and I want to be encouraged. And I really hope to this be encouragement that, listen, guys, we don't have to step away from who God's called us to be to please the Father. We don't have to change who we are to stay where we are and do what God's called us to do to be successful. We can just be who God's called us to be, what the Bible teaches us to be, to be Baptist by conviction. I'm not trying to be offensive this morning, but we're not fundamentalists. There's a difference. There's a difference. There are many who would hold to five fundamental doctrines. And those things like Bible inerrancy, and we would agree with that. We believe the King James Bible is inerrant, infallible, the inspired word of God. They would hold to the fact of a divine nature of Jesus Christ, and so would we. And they would hold to the fact that he was virgin born. We heard about that this morning. And we would say, amen. Absolutely, virgin born. They would hold to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his return. And we'd say, amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But that's not all. My friend, listen. We're not fundamentalists. We're Baptists. We're Baptists by conviction. And I hope this morning... And listen, I know what it's like, Brother Ben. I, when I was pastoring there in Colorado, I had a man come to me and we were trying to pave our parking lot. And a large parking lot is going to cost a quarter of a million dollars to pave our parking lot. And uh, I had a guy come and he said he wanted to meet with me. We were getting ready to take the Lord's table. And I preached about the Lord's table, how it's a local church ordinance. And he wanted to meet with me after church. And he said, preacher. If you'll just kind of 
let that slide. I'll write you a check today and we'll pave the parking lot tomorrow. Now, I'm going to tell you, that was a temptation. Honestly, a quarter million dollars? Maybe that's typical offerings at your place. It ain't where I've been. A quarter of a million dollars? I've never seen that kind of money. We wanted to pave the parking lot. Hey, it'll be okay once. No, see, that, what that does, it starts to remove a label. And it's not mine to remove. These were given to us by our forefathers. I think we've got to go more than that. It's given to us by the Lord himself. And he's put these landmarks in place. And the temptation is there because we start to listen to the crowds and we start listening to the people and we start listening to the books and we start listening to the podcasts. And boy, it just doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. But it is. Because the Bible makes us Baptists. Not be ashamed of the label. I like the name of our church, Bible Baptist Church. I like it. It's a label. I think when I look at that name, it starts with this right here. Bible. So that when somebody drives by Cell Barn Road and they look at that sign down there by the road and it says Bible, I think it identifies something. There's a church there that is holding to the Bible. And listen, my friend, I know in this crowd, or I would assume in this crowd, that nobody's really wrestling with the fact that we have the Bible, but you never know. The temptation comes to even let that slide and to listen to some of the people who, who, who stir things and, and, and questioning the Word of God. But listen, my friend, as I read my Bible, the one who began to say, Yea, hath God said, he's not our friend. He's our adversary. Yea, hath God said. No, listen, my friend, what did God say? And God's word settles it, whether you believe it or not. The Bible. I like the label Baptist. Bible Baptist. It's an identifying mark. It's a label that says they, that there is something there that they stand. They may not know what it means, but it's a label. It's an identifying mark so that they would have some idea of what this church believes. I like that word church. I do. I like it better than some of those other ones. Rise. And City Hope. Now, that's the name of your church. I'm not trying to be offensive. But what's wrong with church? Amen. The Lord likes it. Church. Bible Baptist Church. I like Faith Baptist Church. They're identifying marks. And when, listen, when looking for a church... I, I, I just, I know this, when we go on vacation, I start with that word Baptist. Now, here's what I have found along the way sometimes. There's a label, but what's inside is not what's on the label. And that happens. But it ought to be that when somebody drives in your town and they see that label, that it means something. It means something. We still believe in biblical authority. Well, why do you do what you do? Because the Bible tells us to. You know, that's a cop-out answer. That's a real answer. Because the Bible, listen, and I know what's happening. Well, well, you guys are just afraid of questions. No. 
But what's behind the question? Many times the questions are being asked not because there's a sincere desire to come to the conclusion of thus saith the Lord, but it, it, it's because this they're headed a direction to start removing some labels. They don't want an honest conversation. And listen, men, don't be afraid of the questions. I, one of the greatest blessings, I so appreciate the ministry of Brother Alexander and, and all the years and years and years of trying to help churches understand that the Baptists mean something. Know what you believe and know why your church is a Baptist church. And there's some preachers that need to be reminded. The autonomy of the local church. That's a, that's a blessing. You say, well, we're independent Baptists. We know what we want to do. You're exactly right. But make sure that that's rooted in, I'm doing what I'm doing out of sincere effort to do what the Bible says. Not to conform to culture. Priesthood of the believer. I'm so glad I don't got to go in some booth and pray to some man wearing a skirt who calls his name father. Looks more like mother. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But to be honest with you, out of all of our distinctives, the two that have caused me more trouble in 17 years of pastoring, it's this. It's baptism and the Lord's table. Those two issues. Baptism and the Lord's table. Men that I love beginning to step away from those. Oh, not the mode. I mean, they still believe in immersion. But all of a sudden, the authority is not so important. And can I tell you, the authority is everything. It, 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 it's so important. And I know the, the temptation is there. But look, what they could, look how they could benefit our church. But listen, that's not pleasing the Father. It's his church, not yours. Deep water. Pretty clear if you just think about it, why? To be immersed by right authority. I just believe the Lord didn't give authority to baptize to everything that assembles. He gave that authority to baptize to a specific assembly. That had specific doctrine that was identified by certain landmarks that had labels. And that is who the authority was given to. And men, listen, we can't, we can't bow the knee here. We cannot bend the colors here. It's so important because if we began to do that, we cease to be what we are. Authority. Or the Lord's table. Probably more than anything, that one has caused me trouble. Well, you know, there's three opinions. No. There's just one fact. Of what we see started by the Lord himself and practiced by the Lord himself with that first church. It is a local church ordinance. I'm not trying to be rude this morning. You say, well, you know, they're, they're only off on that one. Well, that's 50% of the ordinances. That's like a majority. It's a big deal. The Lord, listen, there's no, how in the world does one exercise authority over somebody who's not part of the church? That'd be like me standing up here this morning and saying, you know, tonight for supper that Brother Stewart's going to take everybody to 801 Chop House and buy us a steak. That's a blessing. I wouldn't put too much stock in it because I don't have the authority to say it. 
Because authority is everything. Authority is vital. It's so important. And, and, and so I, I just want to remind us, guys, and encourage us that, listen, don't, don't stop. Just keep going. Just keep being what God's called us to be. And, and we don't have to bend. We don't have to bow. We, we don't have to give in to the, this world. We can keep the labels. Individual soul liberty. Save baptized church membership. Two offices. Well, I don't know whether I ought to go there. The plurality of pastors that's starting to show up in churches. I think it's kind of clear in the Bible. Church had one pastor. Anything with two heads, I think you call that a monster. Separation of church and state. Not that we're to have nothing to do with them. They're not to tell us what to do. I mean, listen, we can see some of this stuff that I, I believe perhaps very, very much. Brother Isaiah, we're going to deal with persecution again. I'm not looking forward to it, but it might be one of the best things for our churches. That these are essential, not just labels. Again, listen, if all it is is a label, then sure, you, you do what the Lord have you to do with that. But if it's more than just a label, it's a landmark. It's not yours to move. Now, here's the message of this morning. I'm going to ask for a little help. Abraham, would you and Luke come help me? Abraham, if you'll be on that side. Luke, if you'll come over here. Hold that for me. Here's the danger, men. And I know the temptation is here. I'm just going to move it a little bit. It's not that far. Now, now you think about this. Put this in the setting there in the Old Testament. As, as that land was given to the tribes of Israel, this was their inheritance. Th- this was so important for them. This was what God, it was God's land. It was His. But He had given it to them for an inheritance in a specific place for each tribe. And God set that there and He gave specific command. It, there, there's things they could not do with that land. That land was to be given to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And at times things happened and parts might be sold to pay debts, but the year of Jubilee would come and that land would be returned back to its rightful owner. God set all that in motion. Why? So that the next generation to come might enjoy the same blessings of God. And here's the danger, men. If we move that landmark just a little bit, these men that's coming up behind us, the next generation, here's the assumption they make. That's where it's always been. Well, that's where it was given to me at. But is that where God put it? Because here, here's the danger. Listen, they are going to face the same temptation. And it's moved here. Now, listen, it's just a little bit. Quit making a big deal out of things that aren't a big deal. It's just a little move. Yeah, but what about these guys that come on the scene? They think that's where it's been. And let's be honest, the temptation comes in their life, and he moves a little. And he moves a little. The next generation comes on the scene, and they moved a little. Do you see what happens? 
It doesn't take very many generations, and all of a sudden there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. Doctrine, what is that? We just all get together and sing kumbaya. And it's more about social clubs and benefits and enjoying just fellowship. And listen, we need fellowship. I'm not minimizing that. But we have no business moving these. Because the next generation, they need, to, they need to find them right where God put them. That's where they need to find them. Now, they're going to stand before God what they do with the landmarks. That's good. They're going to deal with that themselves. But it ought to be that this generation, as we pass and hand it to the next generation, that they find them right where we found them. And that better be right where God put them. Oh, it really doesn't matter. It does. How sad it would be that churches that once clearly identified like Faith Baptist Church, like Bible Baptist Church. Brother Alexander and I had a conversation last night about a church in his area. My mom taught at that school in the 60s. That church today? Nothing. What happened? I don't know for sure all the details, but it's very possible that somewhere along the way, somebody moved some landmarks. Just a little bit. But you know what I found to be true? Once you give in a little, it's sure easy to give in a lot. And friends, so, hey, listen, Don, don't worry about it. It's just this little area. And some of them today are pastoring churches. No labels. And their church looks more like this. And if you and I went to them, We'd probably hold our nose. What happened? Just a label. It's just a label. It's not that important. It's okay to let that go. But where do we stop? Is this what it takes to be successful? I don't believe so. So that you can go to a town in Nebraska and find a label in Olathe, Kansas and all over the United States that's still clearly identified such and such Baptist church. It's not time, my friend, to remove the labels. I'm not talking about being rude and mean and nasty, but let's still stand. Let's still be Baptist. Let's stay in this morning.